Do you hear that sound? That's not a whip. That is the sound of the waves crashing against a bay. <laughs> but it's not just any bay. It's a Baywatch, because this is a Baywatch podcast. In fact, this is Baywatch Rookie School, a podcast where two men who have never watched Baywatch before try and watch Baywatch. I'm Michael Eisen. And I'm Morgan Thrapp. Or am I? Could I actually be a secret undercover informant who has been spying on this podcast the entire time? Ooh, are you writing some sort of manifesto about this? Absolutely not. That sounds like way too much work. I do not like writing. But if it, but if you did, <laughs> what would you call it? Ooh, that's a good point. I mean, I feel like the obvious one would be like the Hasselhoff manifesto. So I'm just going to run with that. Mm, I would call mine like, okay, so they went Falcon manifesto. So I'm going to mm-hmm. go for like Blue Jay manifesto. No, I was just thinking like platypus. You know, throw them off the trail, not make it, you know, avian in nature. Mm. Right. Yeah. So if you can't tell, this is season four, episode 17, the (laughs) Falcon Manifesto. Sorry, the Falcon Kaka Manifesto. (laughs) I'm going to be doing that all night. Sorry, that's that's my joke. This episode, (laughs) my fun (laughs) joke. Um, This was written by... Mm-hmm. This episode needs some jokes. My God, it's it's a bummer. It is <laughs> it's a huge bummer. Uh, yeah, it's pretty funny how how much of a bummer it is. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of not surprised because it's written by Michelle Burke, and that's the mm. one who was who played the actress who sleeps with Eddie. Yes. Yeah. Um, plus. Also written by Susan Hamilton Brin, who will go on to write three more episodes, including the Charlie's Angels episode of the show, seasons away from now, years in our life away from now, because this show never ends. Um, did not know that was a thing. So what? I guess we've got that to look forward to. A Charlie's Angel episode of Baywatch? I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, it's 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 a CJ-centric episode. Yep, that makes sense. Now... This was directed by Academy Award nominated Charles Braverman. Wow. Um, He was nominated for a documentary short subject for his 2000 doc Curtain Call. So he didn't win. So how good can he be? (laughs) Right. I mean, yeah, that's how that's how movies work. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, it was aired February 21st, 1994. Let's talk about some guest stars first off dale swan plays mate didn't know this role was australian (laughs) (laughs) i don't know who this character is yeah i don't either i was i was hoping you did i'm guessing he's on the boat at the beginning oh probably yeah uh his roles frequently are quite occupational uh, Seven forty-seven captain, bus driver, pr- priest, patrolman, gardener, store clerk, impound guy, surveillance sur- supervisor, fire captain, customs officer, coast guard, bearded warrior—you know the deal. Occupations. Um, I want my occupation to be yeah. bearded warrior. <laughs> Can you imagine if your occupation? Yeah, that's was very just, good. Right, right. If it was just like warrior, right? Yeah. I, no, I'm into that. Well, if you could pick any occupation, Morgan, what would it be? Oh, man. I mean, I'm tempted to say actor because, like, that was my first love. Mm. Um, That's too easy. The, 
Yeah, the job I've been advocating for recently and my partner Sparkle keeps telling me things like that's not a real job and we can't both live on our on a social worker's salary. So you have to make money if you want us to buy a house Mm. uh, is pun writer. Oh, just just freelance pun writer. I will just like. You know, you're you're making a podcast and you need puns for the title of your episode. I'll write those puns. You're, uh, I don't know, naming episodes of like uh, a reality television show and you need some puns. I'm your man. I'll be there. I'll do it. Um, I, I feel like so, this you know, has I, worked. I feel like Stephen Wright got kind of famous as a comedian and wrote yeah. some puns. That could be you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Or maybe, you know what? Okay, I can envision it now. You will make a lot of money if you were a pun writer in the 50s in the Borscht Belt. Otherwise, probably not. (laughs) Yeah, you know. All right. Maybe I'm a maybe I'm a little out of my uh, my time period for this. But come on. It just seems like so much fun. You know, the the perfect pairing pun writer, social worker bring you in to be like Mm -hmm. i know you're feeling down but here's a pun (laughs) makes everything better absolutely absolutely you know what What about you oh well uh mm, well i did actually do a a a movie about a weird occupation once um yeah uh where i was a bulletproof vest tester oh i believe you've shown me this uh i don't know if i've shown you the movie uh it's one you would probably remember because it's bad. Um, like, I mean, I that does square with what I remember. Yes. Do you remember there is a there is the bulletproof S is gifted by the character's dad who dies of terminal beard cancer? I don't remember. I feel like it was one of the times when we were hanging out and very drunk. So that that sounds. Like many times, <laughs> it, it needs to be another time. I mean, that needs to happen again. Yeah. However, uh, I don't know. I, I'd have to fish it up somewhere. I probably have it on DVD. I'll I'll bring it. <laughs> watch this horrible movie. <laughs> we'll watch my hope. We'll watch for the movies I made of which there are three, and they're all Ooh. short, um, and they're all bad. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of bad. Christopher Pennock plays Captain in this episode. So maybe I don't know who Mate was and was thinking he was Captain. I'm not sure. But this guy, he's just done a, a lot of whatever. Uh, but I do want to highlight this movie called Basic Training, where mm. Melinda comes to Washington, D.C. to visit her friend Debbie and to find a job in government, where she hopes to sure. do her part to make it better. She gets a lower echelon administrative position at the Pentagon and find things pretty slack. Her boss seems to be more interested, though, in getting into her pants than trying to find lost data on the Russians. Melinda Ugh. resists his advances and begins working her way up in the Pentagon, finding subtle ways of getting her policies implemented by manipulating the slovenly males that populate the Pentagon, including finding a way to defuse the mounting conflict with the Russians. Huh. Yeah, sounds horrible. I, I'm i very curious, because I feel like there is a way where that movie works. I just feel like in most of the ways it doesn't. Well, okay, let, let's look up the movie here. Uh, it's from 1985. Uh, here, here's, 
here's the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked at the po- the Woof. photos. <laughs> Did you see the photos where it's like the first one just dog tags on boobs? Uh-huh. I also saw that it was rated 4.0 on IMDb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, user reviews. To the three Fs. Flirty, foreplay, and f f f f fun Um... It sounds horrible. <laughs> All the pictures look Oh. Horny. Did you see who it's produced by? No. Playboy. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that makes so sense. So that makes sense. Okay. I, I like that in the more movies like this, there's one called Prison A Go-Go. Um, a <laughs> woman in prison action comedy featuring girls running amok. Multiple yep. shower scenes, kung fu food fights, mutant zombies, evil scientists, prominent product placement, and mud rastlin. Um, oh boy, God! Uh, is that also produced? No, that's not produced by Playboy. What do you know? Really? This was reduced. This is two thousand three. <laughs> what? Oh wow! Oh no! Two thousand three was the second coming of horny. Coming. <laughs> God, this this looks horrible. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, let's talk about the next person, and uh-huh. uh, that is Bart Braverman. Um, I never checked if he's related to Charles, the director, but this is Bart, and he plays uh, Mather's boss in this episode. You may know him from things like 1957's Twenty Million Miles to Earth, where. The first U.S. spaceship to Venus crash lands off the coast of Sicily on its return trip. A dangerous lizard creature comes with it and quickly grows gigantic. Amazing, right? I know, I know, I know what you're thinking, right? 1957. Wow, that's a long time ago. Yeah, this guy has a lot of credits. In fact, yeah, one of those credits is season one, episode two of Baywatch. That was two years ago that we talked about that episode. We've been talking about Baywatch for two years, Morgan. God, that's dangerous information that no one should have. Our our first episode, Morgan, was October 14th, 2020. Wow. Yeah, we're coming up on two years. Wow, we got to do some sort of Baywatch special, by which I mean, let's not celebrate this show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Next. Yep. 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 Next up, James Horan plays John Mathers. Now, according to to his biography, he started. He's yeah. He started in his first play. I I don't know what I wrote here. This is so confusing grammatically. He started <laughs> in his first play nineteen. Oh, started in his first play. No, it's supposed to be starred. He starred in his first play at nineteen, where he played the Marquis de Sade. And called it a baptism oh. by fire. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's a hell of a role to throw onto a 19-year-old. Right. Um, he also seems to be well-known for being in the show The Orville, which I've never watched. I hear people like it. Um, yep. But I know him for voicing the main villain of Metal Gear Solid Five, Skullface. Um, also, he voices President Shinra in Final Fantasy VII Remake and... Like many others on this show, he has a credit for the local pedestrian population in Red Dead Redemption 2, which is <laughs> my favorite credit possible. Local pedestrian yeah. population. <laughs> no, that's very good. Um, 
Now, lastly, we have our big star of the episode. Not really. Jacqueline Collin plays Catherine Larson. I mean, Kate McCoy. I mean, what is her name? Who knows? <laughs> um, she's most famous for being the starring woman on the 90s Adventure of Sinbad show. She was also on Hercules and Conan, the adventure, but not in Xena, which is a shame. Mm. So she preferred to use her last name from her first marriage to Phil Collin, not Phil Collins. This is Phil Collin, Aww. the co-lead guitarist of Def Leppard, which is oh. still wild. Um, yes. She hasn't acted since 1999. I tried to look up why, and I ended up with something amazing, Morgan. I'm gonna yes. I'm gonna post this in here, and then I'm okay. I want you to open it up, and then I'm gonna tell you what it is. Please click on that. Oh, that's a GeoCities link. <laughs> yes, this oh, is wow. a 1999 interview with her. Yeah, from a GeoCities website. Man, it's got that like marble texture in the background. I know, I love it. It is nearly unreadable because of that texture. Yeah, this is wow. Of course, I'm going to include this in the show notes. I'm Mm -hmm. in love with this. Just I I love that I this is the best I could find is a GeoCities interview. Have you scrolled down to the bottom, though? What the picture of her with like the hawk? Yes. Two different pictures of her holding a hawk. (laughs) (laughs) One of them in aggressive sepia tone. It's very good. <laughs> you know, this is exactly what I want from a GeoCities site. <laughs> Sometimes you find your niche and you have to work with it. Yeah, yeah, Anna. Um, so, yeah, this, this episode, there's a lot and also not a lot to say about it. Um, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see what we have to say. Morgan, why don't you take us in? Absolutely. We start off uh, with... Uh, seeing some of our favorite lifeguards on the beach. Well, some 80s power pop wait, pay, wait, plays. Who are our favorite lifeguards? I believe in this case it is Matt and Mitch. Are, are those our favorites? I mean, no more or less so than anyone else on the Baywatch team, I think. What about Numi? That's true. Do love Numi. <laughs> Do love Numi. He was probably in the background somewhere. Yeah, probably. Um... But then we go to two detectives. Oh, did you notice mm-hmm. that the footage in that scene is old footage because it has Summer's short hair in it? I did not notice that. Yeah, they just it's her walking and it's just her with her really short bob. And she clearly mm. doesn't have hair that short in the rest of this episode. Right. Um, so either she's like, I'm wearing a wig or time travel. I like the time travel explanation. Ooh, yeah, that would make her character infinitely more interesting. Sure would. And just the show in general, honestly. I I mean, I wonder if we'll get time travel on Baywatch. I I hope on Baywatch nights we get time travel. That'd be amazing. Like, can you imagine Mitch Buchanan going back to, like, medieval ages and being like, (laughs) okay, I want him to say, where are all the babes at? (laughs) <laughs> that's, and then someone hands him a baby and he's like that's the wrong kind of babe <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i love this plan i also my my first thought was that i would like him to go back to the salem witch trials and stop women from drowning i think would be very funny um when they tried to prove that people were witches by drowning them and i think it would be extremely funny for mitch to then be like 
pursued by an angry mob for saving this witch. <laughs> okay, so he'll be they'll, he'll be like, they say you're a witch, but your only crime is casting a spell on my heart. Oh God. <laughs> I know you must be a witch because after knowing you for 15 minutes, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. That stay tuned, dear audience. That's going to come up very soon. (laughs) Jesus. Um, But we have two detectives now who we've never seen before. They are talking about how they lost their witness, Kate. She was in witness protection from the guy who is clearly a bad guy from the minute he shows up on screen. uh, One of the two detectives Um, and they were after her because she's the only one who has the evidence they need for the Falcon case, also known as the Falcon Manifesto. Now, she, so apparently she found all this info while writing up an investigation for World Journal Magazine, and I Mm -hmm. thought, that sounds dumb. That can't be real. Um, Is it actually real? Well, yes, but, yes, but. Huh. So, yes, but it's an anti-communist Taiwanese newspaper um, that. OK, so probably not what she was talking. Well, about. No, well, no, may, it's actually possible. I have some facts here. Really? Yeah. So it's an anti-communist uh, newspaper that promotes the collapse of communist China with the rise of Chinese democracy. Uh, it's called it's specifically um, part of the Pam Blue Coalition, which is the center right party in Taiwan on the whole 35 percent of legislator of note. It is the largest Chinese language newspaper in the U.S. and has been around since 1976. So it is possible that she was investigating weapons that are going to be sold to China. And therefore, she was teaming with a anti-communist China pro-Taiwan magazine it's possible, but yeah. I don't trust Michelle Burke to have thought of that. No, definitely not. <laughs> it's also, it would be pretty weird for her to be contributing to a newspaper that was anti-Chinese democracy, considering that album didn't come out for at least like another decade. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, she was just ahead of her time. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, but but <laughs> what we then mm-hmm. learn is that Falcon, caca had the resources to suppress Kate, Catherine, whatever her name is, and the evidence. Mm-hmm. So Falcon caca, has been selling classified <laughs> military information to foreign governments, a.k.a. maybe China. And they found a note in her hotel, her inner hotel room saying that her chances of survival are best if no one knows where she is. Which makes sense. Right. However... They're like, okay, so she probably did, like, in a, she's in a crisis situation, so she returned to familiar surroundings. But she probably, uh, her, her dad run a, ran a fishing boat, so she's probably on a fishing boat. And I'm like, great, okay, small problem. Yeah. Most of the world is water. <laughs> <laughs> so that could be literally anywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, luckily for these detectives, they're right. She is on a fishing boat, and she is caught a very large fish, and now the captain of the boat wants to take her picture, but she does not want her picture taken, which which makes sense, yeah. considering she's a witness on the run. Um, but then we introduce our B-plot of this episode that Ugh. 
was was really boring. Yeah. Um, which I can summarize the entire B plot. Matt wants to buy a houseboat and live on it with Summer. Summer doesn't want to live on a houseboat boat until they get married. Matt says, I don't know if I'm ready for commitment. Summer says, I don't know if I'm ready for commitment. And then Matt buys the houseboat anyway and says, you don't have to live with me. Um, that's, I mean, that's, I will recap the individual scenes. Oh, yeah. That is the entire beep. No, it's, and it takes it, so long. It's dumb. I mean, this episode yeah. is a lot of padding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but what actually happens next, uh, after we get introduced to that B-plot, is that, uh-oh, the fishing boat is sinking Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Out. Actually, let's talk mm-hmm. about that B-plot just for a second. Sure. So this houseboat is Eddie's old boat. Um, yes. It's absolutely a case of Eddie is like, hey, you're my stand-in, right? So you should have the same living space as me with your blonde Shawnee stand-in. Right. Uh, And, you know, it's sort of that Matt is like trying to slowly wear their skin in a facsimile of happiness. Right. (laughs) Um, Because because Matt asks Mitch, hey, Eddie and Shawnee love living on that houseboat. Right. Um, And uh, Mitch is like, I don't know, I'm not their dad. And Matt's like, <laughs> the evidence. Ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, so a lot of this, as you mentioned, a lot of this is Summer just not sure, as always, about their relationship and not sure. And she doesn't want to communicate it because she's horrible at this. And like, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't get it. Like, on one hand, I get it. Because it's fair, they're horrible together, and Matt got outdone by a creature with no tangible body parts, uh, who is <laughs> non-corporeal. Um, mm-hmm. But on the other hand, you willingly date him and hang out with him, so, like, I don't just do it already? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm willing to cut her some slack, because, like, they're both supposed to be 18, I think? Um, Something? And 18-year-olds aren't necessarily the best at communicating, but I do agree that at some point, I, as the viewer, just no longer give a shit and would like them to make a decision one way or the other. <laughs> no, like, no, 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 no. This, this show is about realism, Morgan. That's why you get to see mm-hmm. realistic saves of lives. Yeah, boy, do we see a lot of those. Yeah, realistic deaths, too. Mm-hmm. Wink, wink. Um... <laughs> But, uh, yeah, after after all of that nonsense, um, we we see the fishing boat start to sink. But luckily, Mitch, Matt and Summer are on a speedboat nearby. So then we get a very long rescue sequence where we find out Kate is really good at stopping boats from sinking. Um, (laughs) And Mitch is so fucking horny for this. He has never been more, more turned on. Than you know, a woman wrapping some shit in fishing wire and shoving it in a hole. And then when she cuts the fishing wire, it'll expand and seal the hole in the boat. And Mitch just cannot wait to get home and fuck her. Um, (laughs) Which is distressing because of how many times he has stressed to us that this is explicitly not a thing you should do because of 
survivors the horniness or whatever the fuck they call it yeah uh, that was an immature mitch who said that this is mature mitch mm, i see i see yeah <laughs> that was the most <laughs> disappointed i've ever heard you in my life <laughs> <laughs> wow. um well this this yeah this all just yeah um it's this is it's it's pretty it's pretty horrible it's yeah it's no it's bad it's boring um, honestly, I don't get the, the, like, I get the point, but I don't, like, they, they waste so much time on being like, wow, this save or this, uh, this thing is really creative. And it's like, nobody's tuning into this show to, to learn about shirt expansion. You know, right. Sonic inflation. <laughs> 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 right. No, nobody. Yeah. And like. It goes on and on and on. And at this point, we're nine and a half minutes into this episode. Yes. Like, this is nothing. It's less than nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not off to, like, an exciting start for the episode. No. Um, But then eventually we're back on shore where Summer is analyzing Mitch and Kate's body language by pointing out the very obvious flirting that they're doing. And Matt's like, that's impossible. No one could ever tell if two people are flirting as Mitch and Kate are like rubbing against each other and leaning in real right. close to fill out a form. Right. So that I was going to ask. Matt says their forearms are, are Summer says their forearms are touching. I wrote tuching in my <laughs> notes. I'm going to fix that really quickly. Tuching. Uh, Matt says <laughs> their forearms are just the start. And uh, what does that mean, Morgan? You're the horny one. Tell me. What does that mean? I mean, I assume they're going to go to the elbows next. Like, uh, everyone knows that second base is when you get to rub those elbows together. You just rub them in little circles like you're doing the chicken dance. And, oh, ooh, man. baby, that's sexy. Weenus on weenus action. <laughs> Mm-hmm. My favorite. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> no, it's definitely... Well, you know, I'm going to be honest, I've never tried it. Maybe it will end up being my favorite. Stay tuned, folks, Stay- to find out. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to hear back next episode. Morgan's going to say, you know, I tried the weenus on weenus. I don't know. It's a little bumpy. Mm-hmm. It's a little hilly. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's no open orifices there. Or if there is, <laughs> you need to get that checked out. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> you're bleeding to death. <laughs> Probably not great. So, S- Summer says that Catherine, Katie, whatever her name is. I just have her as Kate in my notes the entire time. Yeah, I mean, the the, the story is that she introduces herself next as Kate, but her real name mm-hmm. is Catherine. She's lying. Anyways, Kate has barriers and clearly likes Mitch. This is why she is not moving away. And she points out that Catherine's arms are crossed and her legs keep fidgeting. Wow. So Matt mm-hmm. asks, when did you become an expert on body language? I don't know. Maybe is when the ghost blew her back out. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she says, though, it's because all she does all day is watch people in her tower and i'm like mm-hmm. don't you don't you also save lives don't you i, I guess yeah. you have to watch people to save their lives but that's true that's also that's creepy true. i mean a little bit yes but again this is not subtle like i'm not good at picking up on flirting i will be the first to admit oh, same. 
this this was blatant. Like How it would be they? impossible not to notice this on my <laughs> on my Christian display monitor. Uh, how I dare know. you? <laughs> uh, after this, uh, we cut over to Mitch and Kate, and Kate doesn't want to be in the report because she doesn't like being in the public, and Mitch just cannot stop hitting on her, even though she is not responding even a little bit. Mm. And it was not great. No. Um, But he fills out all the questions on the forum and then says, all right, one last question. What are you doing for dinner tonight? Um, And she says, probably cooking groceries, assuming you have any in your house. (laughs) Um, And this, this entire exchange, honestly, uh, my takeaway from it was, oh, she's a much better actor than almost everyone on this show, but especially David Hasselhoff. Oh, yeah. She just feels so much more natural and so less, like, stilted and reading lines off of a cue card than David Hasselhoff David Hasselhoff, I don't know if he feels like reading lines off of a cue card as much as he is, like, my go-to improv is, like, the 1930s. Yeah. You know? No, it's just not good. No. Now... This, this, what are you doing for dinner shtick? He's done this before. You remember in our episode where we had um, the actress who played a lot of China in Austin Powers, um, where Mitch is like, oh, uh, you're an actress? Oh, okay, um, there's a question here. Uh, what are you doing for dinner tonight? Um, oh, I forgot that. Yeah. yeah He'd done this. Now, this time, though, uh, she says... I don't have any clothes to wear for the date. And he says, that shouldn't be a problem. You're about the same size as Stephanie. Yeah. Which, okay, so many questions here. One, um, why are Stephanie's clothes at your place? Uh, I thought you two weren't dating. Uh, Two, how do you know? Three, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's not great. No. Um, But, but. And she asks who Stephanie is. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Mitch says, don't worry. I can be mysterious, too. And that's just weird. Like, she's asking if you already have a girlfriend or something because you've just suggested another woman's clothes for her. Um, but you don't want to tell her. And that's fine. Who who cares? She's still into it. Who cares about infidelity? It's not like this yeah. show spends... It's the 90s. Right. It's not like this show spends every single fucking week having a storyline where Summer is concerned about infidelity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like this not like this show cares. No, no, not at all. Not at all. But um speaking mm-hmm. of a man summer, they're on the houseboat again and yeah. Matt asks, where else can you find a view like this? And I guess the answer is nowhere, but that also sounds shitty if it ever were to rain or Turn into mm-hmm. a hurricane at 1 p.m. like it did last episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I gotta say, houseboats have never felt like my thing. No. You know, I like I like a boat for a little while. Like, I'll go on a boat for a few hours, but I don't want to sleep on a boat. Like, I'm already bad at sleeping, <laughs> and I can't imagine how being on a boat is going to make that better. No. Like... No, it's also small and cramped yeah. and... What if yeah. there's the slightest wave, then your boat rocks a little bit? Mm-hmm. You know, this is go- OK. So idea. Remember when I was going to buy a yacht? I should now instead yes. try and find a houseboat. Actually, I mean, there's a bunch of houseboats in, in Seattle. I could just yeah. buy one of those ha- houseboats. Uh, yeah. 
or or Eddie could sell me his on the cheap if I'm a mm. lifeguard. Wow. Um that's the that's the hack that liberals don't want you to know for cheap housing. Become a lifeguard. <laughs> is is lifeguard the most liberal job? I don't know. <laughs> okay, because think about it like this. Think about it like this. If lifeguard is the most liberal job, then the most mm-hmm. leftist job is firefighter. Hmm. Because is it? It's because it's a good job that has good people. Ah, fire. Fair. <laughs> and of course, the most right wing job is a cop. Mm-hmm. Actually, Absolutely. The, actually, no, the most right wing job is like bouncer at the NRA or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a real job. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not. I don't think the NRA, NRA like opens many nightclubs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's. Did you hear about what's, what happened in a, in Atlanta with their music festivals? No, I didn't. Okay, so they had this big music festival uh, that was supposed to go on it, and it had, like, big, big names, you know, like, mm-hmm. like contemporary people in hip-hop. And mm. uh, this the festival was like, nope, we're canceling the festival because Atlanta had this law that made it so that basically any open-air festival has to be mm-hmm. uh has to allow open carry um, oh fuck that right and what happened is there was one guy who basically filed a lawsuit against the festival because they weren't going to allow people with guns in and he said mm. i wasn't going to go anyways but i felt it was my duty to like mm-hmm. sue them and i'm like you fucking suck also yeah why would i want to go to an open like an open air festival well, really, any music festival, and just be around a bunch of dudes open carry, like yeah. And their their excuse is, well, well, I need to get back to my car. I'm like, then just walk to your car, right? <laughs> like, like I don't, I don't know, I don't know, man. Like, just walk to your car. It's not like any everybody else is there at the festival. If no one has a gun, then no one's going to attack you with a gun in the parking lot. Right. It's yeah. simple, and also like. I've been to my fair share of music festivals. I don't think I've ever seen any situation in the grounds or in the parking lot that would have required a gun. Yeah. Like, if anything, it the only thing it requires is water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, so, so Summer remarks that this houseboat is actually smaller than the trailer she lives in with her mom, which mm-hmm. is already packed. And Matt says... It's not packed if it's the right people. I don't know what that which means. is not true. No, it's absolutely not. Um, so Matt's like, oh, we'll spend a night together as a trial and we'll see. We'll see how we'll see how it goes. Eh. I did continue to wonder during this. Have they never spent the night together? Like, have it's, they never had sex before? No, they it had feels to. like they've never had sex before. No, no. Uh, I feel like they ha- okay. So when sh- she and Matt first started seeing each other, while she was also dating uh, Kelly Slater, I can't remember his fucking name now, which is probably good. Um, yeah, I can't either. Um, they definitely she like implied to her mom that they were sleeping together, mm. but like I feel like they haven't since and just con- reverted to like couple that's been married for sixty years doesn't sleep together 
you know, kind of yeah. relationship. Because they, like, slept in separate rooms at that hotel, which was weird. Yeah, exactly. Like, what is this, the 50s? Like, you don't need to do that. Right. The hotel is not, I mean, A, doesn't give a shit if you're unmarried, but B, is not, like, sending people into the, like, sending the hotel detective into rooms at night to see if unmarried couples are sharing a bed or not. This brings up a really completely random point that I'm only bringing up because I need to pad this episode. Um, sure. Morgan, have you ever heard of uh, Dahir and Shot? No. Okay, so Dahir and Shot is buck wild. Um, it's perfect. You'll love this. Basically, it's this idea company that makes all these really horribly non-practical ideas um, and okay. then tries to get them like sold to the Department of Defense. Um, and one of my favorites is this earthquake bed. Okay. Um, and uh, I think it's this video, which you can watch later. Um, sure. But basically the idea is, okay, so you're in this building and it starts shaking and you have this giant tomb looking thing that you sleep on. And the minute it starts shaking... It closes up on you and then drops you down like 10 feet. Oh, no. And then inside of it is all this water and food. You can't really get out. And one of my favorite things is like one of the top comments on it was like um, earthquake bed caught me cranking it took me to hell. (laughs) (laughs) For real, though, like if you if you just like click play on it and go like like a minute 20 in you'll just see this fucking bed the moment it starts shaking you just disappear into it (laughs) it's super funny um and all their ideas are horrible they have one idea um they keep on making these it's quadcopters that shoot out drones that then shoot out missiles um and the idea is is that you could disguise the quadcopters as like a like aquafina truck or like a truck shipping <laughs> like fruit because it can self-assemble as long as you're there to connect the artillery. Um, huh. And then there's a mini quadcopter. Um, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's for like if you need to like covertly attack a tank or some shit like that. It's all wow. so dumb. Uh, and the best part is, and I'm sure you already predicted this, Elon Musk loves it. Oh, of course. Yeah, he's like, oh, these people are genius. Mm-hmm. It's, fuck off, Elon. S- yeah. Speaking of genius, this mm-hmm. next scene um, has baffled me, and I really was excited to talk to you about this. Um, yes. And that is Kate making Cajun cooking. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so first off, there's zero mess. That seems suspicious. Yes. Two, mm-hmm. uh, Mitch owns a full pepper grinder that he keeps next to his salt and Tabasco. Seems weird. Also, all of his cabinets are open. Um, also, uh, they have tall, flimsy candles over a placemat that could just uh-huh. light on fire. What were your thoughts on this scene? Well, it also looks like what she made him is a steak. <laughs> um, Cajun steak. Yeah, that traditional Cajun dish. Mm. Um, No, the thing that struck me was that when he goes to sit down, she has put his plate across from her and he picks up his plate and setting and sits down 
like next to her at the table. Um, and that is such a weird move on the first date when she is already in your house. Yeah. Like also the, you can't like look at them if you do it like that. Right. And then she's like, wait, don't you have a son? And he's like, don't worry. He's at a friend's house. And she's like, convenient. And and it is kind of weird. Um, but he's like, no, don't worry. I just meant you could sleep in his bed tonight. Which, what? That's the room of a 13-year-old boy. Yeah. I, it, I guess, like, in terms of he could interrupt their date. But, like, I don't know. He's got to be used to it by now. This is not the first time. There, there's a lady who I've never met before sleeping in my bed. Guess I sleep mm. in dad's room tonight. Whoops. Yeah. There's another lady in there. Guess I sleep at Curtis's house or I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah. Did you also notice he said that lifeguard is the only job he's ever had, which we know is a lie? Yeah, I didn't clock it, but you're right. That is a lie. So all of this relationship that... Well, spoilers, it's not going to last very long. Um, no. Is based on lies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, they, they flirt for a while, and then we cut back to the lifeboat, where Summer has shown up. The lifeboat. <laughs> the houseboat. <laughs> Wait for here if they bought a lifeboat. Yeah, no, that would be very funny. Um, but Summer has shown up to the houseboat, um, and it is completely dark because Matt hasn't fixed a generator yet. Um, but don't worry, there's candles. And also she brought Chinese food and that's why she smells so good. Um, <laughs> which did feel like a little bit of a backhanded compliment, but, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and then they're, they're in bed fully clothed, uh, later and talking about how Summer doesn't think they should move in together until they have a commitment. And Matt's like, we're moving in together. That's a pretty big commitment. <laughs> yeah. Which, as someone who is about to buy a house with their partner, and we are not married, um, yeah, it's a pretty fucking big commitment. Mm -hmm. um, but Summer says, I can tell you one thing it's not, and that's married. And Matt's like, I just don't know if I'm ready for that yet. And Summer goes, yeah, I know. Me either. Which was just so Ah, I'm so infuriating. Okay, so on one hand, this show has extremely nailed the hyper-realism of how fucking annoying it is to talk to an 18-year-old. Yes. Like, they have no clue what it is they're talking about. So in this case, this is the best interpretation I've ever seen of an 18-year-old in my fucking entire life. On the other hand, this is horrible. This is god-awful writing. Like, yeah. What the fuck does she need? Like, okay, one, girl, go to therapy, okay? Mm -hmm. Like, go to therapy. Um, two, every single week has been, I need commitment. And then Matt has been like, yeah, you know what? I'm committed to you. And she's like, wow, I feel really committed to. Uh, I need commitment. Again mm -hmm. with this shit? Like, what is this? Yeah, I just... It just makes for such fucking boring television. Like, it's always exactly the same storyline when the two of them are on screen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm so, I'm so sick of it. And, like, I, for the record, agree that it's probably not a great idea when you're both 18 to buy a houseboat together and live in it. Like, that is probably going to implode. But 
I just, as a television viewer, want something else. Just anything else, please. <laughs> We're asking for the bare minimum, which is literally anything. Mm-hmm. Like, give us, give us CJ. Mm-hmm. I'd yeah. much rather take a CJ dates random d- monster of the week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, than sure. than them dating thing. Yeah. Even I don't even mind seeing stories of them dating. Just give me something other than Summer wants Matt to commit more. Matt doesn't want to at first, then at the end decides he wants to, but Summer thinks it's still not enough and or doesn't like it. Yeah, like, and they're not getting laid. It so many times. Well, yeah, that too. Um, maybe, maybe the commitment is just supposed to be sex. I mean, maybe. I'm still not convinced they've had sex, so maybe that's what it is. And in that case, I don't know. Is it Matt holding out? Is it Summer holding out? Is it both of them? It's Who it's knows? it's Summer. Like, let's be real here. It's. I mean, yeah, probably. It's Summer. Mm-hmm. Like, you know Matt is a fuckboy. No, for sure. Yep. Anyway, then we move on to uh, another couple who's not having sex. Oh. uh, Which is Kate is downstairs at Mitch's house, unable to sleep on the couch. And Matt comes down and is trying to comfort her by being all over her when she is clearly kind of uncomfortable. Before before we get into the details Mm -hmm. of the scene, really, I want to bring up one very small, specific complaint. Which sure. is that uh, she's sitting in front of the fireplace, which is on, and I'm not sure if it's a gas fireplace. If it's not a gas fireplace, seems like a bit of an imposition to turn that on without talking to the person who owns the house. If it's no, that's a good point. If it's a gas fireplace, also a bit just like off and weird, or the option that it's been on all night, which like that's going to burn down your house. So yeah. why is the fireplace on? No, that's a good point. And I feel like we've seen him put logs in it before. Then, so I think it is a real fire. Then what the what the hell? <laughs> who no, does that's that? an excellent point. Who does this? Kate McCoy, that's who. Yeah, no, it's not good. Um, but yeah, basically, you know, Mitch is trying to comfort her and she's like, I literally just don't know you yet, which is true and makes sense. Um but then she's like, but yet somehow I trust you and feel so safe with you. The only person I can ever feel safe with. Mitch says, do you have any idea how long I've waited to find someone like you? Which is such a blasted, wild statement to make. Yeah, like it it feels more than a little manipulative to say to someone on your first date when you just rescued them from drowning. This is post like, first date. Isn't this their... No, this is... I mean, it's the morning after their first date. No, it's still, the, like, it's still the night or whatever, but I think... Yeah. But it's like... Like, okay, so this is also extremely stupid. The date part was the dinner. This is the aftermath of said date. That's fair. It's like, she's just on the couch minding her business in front of this this fireplace he comes down like my woman senses are tingling there's not a woman asleep in my house so something <laughs> must be wrong like yeah you know i can't have a woman awake in my house and me not be there with her uh mm-hmm. so he has to go hang out with her and start feeling her up Mm-hmm. yeah this scene sucks um, yeah but then uh we cut to the next day in the morning while they are running on the beach and making out and talking about how they've, you know, 
basically their soulmates at this point. Um, which, you know, I, fine, you've got some new relationship energy, whatever, but it's just a lot. Um, again, especially considering Mitch's whole thing about don't date someone after you just saved them from drowning because, you know, they're probably not in a clear mind and understanding what no. all of their emotions mean, which feels especially true if that person is in witness protection and running from the government. Yeah, well, he doesn't um, know that. That's true. That's true. Now, my thoughts on the scene were that they have chemistry. They have some sort of chemistry, yeah. not a lot of it but a quantity of. No, I, I genuinely feel like it helps that, and I can't remember the actress's name now. Um, Jacqueline Collin. Yeah, something like that. No, that is It helps it, that she is really good. Like... <laughs> yes. Um, it's a fat fuck training. <laughs> yeah. She is, she is carrying this episode on her back, and I respect her for that. Uh, speaking of... No, that's a bad transition. Fuck it, whatever. <laughs> we get a montage. Um, yeah. And uh, this montage is so fucking weird. Cause yes. There's context for it later that's actually kind of, if it were a different show, I would say is pretty smart writing. Um, mm-hmm. But it's Baywatch, so it's not. Which is, yes. um, there's a part where Mitch looks at her lustfully as she refuses to give money to a homeless person, which is mm-hmm. the most wild sentence I maybe have ever said about this show. Um, yep. And like, what is this? Is this propaganda? Like, <laughs> and she also starts squirting sunscreen. Ever? Okay. Anyways, so this this so well, in, if in, we're going to talk about the squirting sunscreen, we have to mention that she squirts some sunscreen on herself, but also. Some of it shoots out from a weird hole in the side of the sunscreen container. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it looks so dumb. It's so fucking dumb, uh, and it's a, a fortunately plot important that it yes. happens. Which is like, I'm not going to pay attention to the montage. Like, I will say I did clock that one particular thing as having to have importance because they linger on it for so much longer than any other shot in the montage. Uh, I was I was I was busy writing notes instead of watching it. <laughs> that is a better use of your time. So in the original, this song was Looking for Something by Vonda Shepard. Vonda is best known as a regular on Ally McBeal. She was a performer in the bar that the cast would frequent. And she mm. even released an album called Songs from Ally McBeal. But oh. Ally McBeal wouldn't start for till ninety seven. This episode was ninety four, and this song is from eighty nine. So mm. uh, not related to that. Also of note, she did a cover of "Hooked on a Feeling," which I still think the best version is the Hasselhoff version um, because of hmm. the music video. Uh, yeah, which is one of the wildest music videos I've ever seen in my entire life. It's amazing, but. The remaster gets I See You by Kiddo. She's a French mm. singer-songwriter who I honestly can't find too much interesting to talk about. But, Morgan, here are their lyrics. Tell us about it. But I try to keep my hope alive. Been looking for a fire that keeps burning bright. I'm just a soul who wants to believe Everything could be more than what it seems I've been lost in this daydream called life 
Never thought I could get it right Cause I see you When you don't see me And I need you Like the air I breathe The world was empty Until I met you The road was long But you always got me through I'm just a soul That's trying to be strong Hoping I'll find A place where I can belong I've been wandering This world all alone I never thought I would find a home Cause I see you When you don't see me And I need you Like the air I breathe I've been missing something All this time You're the first and last thing On my mind Cause I see you When you don't see me And I need you Like the air I breathe Cause I see you When you don't See me. Wow. Wow. You couldn't, again, this being a podcast, you miss out on how I dance to every single time Morgan <laughs> sings. <laughs> I start, you know, waving, uh, waving my phone in the air. Oh, yeah, the mood. Oh, it's great. Well, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I will say, not a good song. No. By the standards of Baywatch original songs, Certainly not the worst we've had. No, no, there's much worse. I can't remember what we had a few episodes. One that was so bad it was up there with "fucked your brother," but mm-hmm. uh, you know it's still like "fucking your brother" is still top of the mm-hmm. top. <laughs> yeah, it's top of the pops. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be fucking your father. Uh, not fucking Um, But yeah, this whole montage is just him perving over her for a long time. Um, And then, (laughs) fucking twist, she's dead. Um, Which, I wrote, she's dead, with like four question marks, because I, when it cuts back to her and he shakes her and she's not moving, I was like, she's not dead. Like, that would be a stupid way to end this montage. Clearly, they're going to explain how she was knocked out or whatever. No, she's dead. <laughs> she's, just, she's gone now. Um, and uh, the next thing we see is Garner showing up and, you know, basically asks Mitch, hey, what was going on? And oh. Mitch tells her, tells him everything. No, so, no, I, I need to talk about this. So first sure. off, he has the Mitch has the funniest line I've ever heard in my entire life unintentionally. Which is mm-hmm. Garner asks, "Are you okay?" And he says, "She was so full of life." And I'm like, "The body begs the differ, man. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, she's not." <laughs> yeah, and also you've known her for like a day. Yes, like yeah. He says yeah. he met her yesterday, and he's already crying over her like she's his forever person. Um, I also want to bring yeah. up. Uh, yeah. there is a line so good here. Um, just um, a line that Mitch utters that is one of the greatest things I've ever heard. Um, so I decide to record it. Um, and uh, here it is. Um, it's one second. Here, just listen to it. Okay. This whole thing doesn't make any sense. I mean, this whole thing doesn't make any sense. Um, which we will now include in our <laughs> official 
memes that we use. Please insert Absolutely. that into the podcast. Um, this is David Hasselhoff hamming it up like he's never hammed it up before. Yeah. It's honestly depressing. Um, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, and it's like, okay, there's parts of it where I'm like, it, it makes sense. Like, he's he, he claims he's feeling bad because he feels responsible because he told this person the day before that he'll keep her safe and she felt safe with him and then she died while he was on duty uh, and it wasn't even in the water. He just didn't see it, which, like, I get that part. That part, yeah, I can see you beating yourself up. But the other part, like, dude, you didn't even date her. Like, you didn't even right. sleep together. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Uh, I'm pretty sure they did. Oh, they probably. Okay, well, I, okay, yeah, they did. They're not summer. In um, yeah. No, I mean, that's the whole thing is, like, that feels so gross is he, like, he doesn't actually know anything about her, and he spends the whole rest of this episode. Like, it, it makes sense to be, like, you know, for a day or two, be like, oh, no, she was the love of my life. I guess maybe. Kind of. What? No, it doesn't. Like, kind of feels like you should be 18 if that's your reaction. But, like, I'm willing to forgive that with grief. But it just, I don't know, it just feels so over the top and stupid. They've had no conversations, really. So it's like, I don't even yeah. know what they're supposed to, like be on the same page about literally she's like i'm not from the same country as you i don't know the job that you do um uh i you i'm the same body type as someone you used to sleep with i guess maybe Mm -hmm. is that what they have in common i i don't i I, they both like running wow not like there's anybody else in malibu who likes running (laughs) right you know yeah no it's very it's very dumb which garner agrees with multiple times he's like this is fucking dumb you don't know her Mm -hmm. yeah um but then uh then we head home so that uh mitch can have his scheduled therapy session with hobie (laughs) uh where hobie comforts mitch on how this you know, don't worry, Dad, you will date someone else who you will love rather than this woman you barely knew. Um, and that was cool and good parenting. My favorite um, part was Hobie repeats back to him advice that Mitch gave him. Very odd advice of it's important to remember the memories of someone you've lost because it's mm-hmm. better to do that than to have not known them at all. And then Mitch says, mm-hmm. yeah, that's easy to say when it's someone else's loss. Like, yeah. dude, don't say the quiet part out loud, especially to right. your son. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, it's it's really something. Um, but then after this, uh, Gardner shows up and tells Mitch that the cause of death was a heart attack. And Mitch is like. But she was so young, and no one has ever developed a heart condition well young before. I know her entire medical history after having known her for less than 24 hours. I investigated Uh, her heart when I investigated mm -hmm. her body. That's, I dropped this joke. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And this is also where he tells Garner that he was certain he was going to spend the rest of his life with her, which is concerning when you've You've known each other for less than 24 hours. He was falling in love with her. That's some Bachelor, Bachelorette-style reality mm-hmm. show shit right there. 
This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. He literally but, went on like 45 dates with Kay and wasn't falling in love with her. He goes on <laughs> half a date with Kate McCoy, who's now dead. And he's like, man, that that was something like what? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, but then Garner tells Mitch, this was no Kate. This was a Catherine. <gasps> um and explains a lot of the stuff about her being a witness and whatever. I thought you were going to um, say being a witch. <laughs> God, that would have been so much better. Oh, that would have been like, so if good. If she was just, like, a witch who was here solving, like, magic crimes. <gasps> yeah. Well, okay, Marty, what's your favorite magic crime? Ooh, um... I'm going to say when they printed Time Walk, um, because that's only four mana to take an extra turn, and that is some bullshit right there. That is oddly specific. Wow. (laughs) If I was to look at the card, I probably could relate to it, but I can't picture it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, But then uh, Mitch goes into his office where he's going through all of Kate's stuff. And Summer comes in and asks how he's doing, and he spends a long time talking about how Kate was literally perfect and the best woman he'd ever met. And a a small part of me did at this point have to be like, well, yeah, it's because she's dead now and she can't call you on any of your shit, so you haven't gotten sick of her. Um, But, yeah. Um, What else is Summer agrees mm -hmm. Yeah. Summer says she was an amazing woman. You could tell right away, like, you saw her for 15 minutes. Right. Summer never even talked to her. Right. Like, you just yeah. saw you, you just saw her elbows, her weenus. <laughs> you just saw them rub weenuses together. That's all. That, that that'll, that'll make a relationship. Sometimes you got to go beyond the weenus, you know? So <laughs> you got to find the mouth. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But then uh, Mitch does reluctantly ask Summer about how her life is going, and uh, she starts talking, and he very clearly immediately tunes out. Yep. Um, and she says that she isn't sure if she wants to move in with Matt or not, and he's like, yeah, I don't know. That sucks. Um, <laughs> and then she leaves. Um, but then Garner and the detective show up to take all of Kate's belongings, and... Do you like once the, d- the way mm-hmm. this... This detective comes in with fucking cool shades and a suit and his <laughs> work mullet. <laughs> yeah, his super slicked back mullet. It's so funny. It's so nice. And he's so obviously the bad guy. Oh, yeah. Like, um, but then uh, eventually he leaves once he's taken all of this stuff. Whoa, whoa no, 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 and, no. We got to talk about mm-hmm. the middle part there. So we find out oh, yeah. uh, that her fingerprints ID'd her as Catherine Larson, not Kate McCoy. Mm-hmm. She was working with the FBI, which is what I thought it, it was. But they keep saying NBI, which oh. is weird because that's the FBI of the Philippines. Um, huh. That can't be right unless Mathers is... A Philippine official, which actually would make this episode so much more interesting. They'd just be yeah. like, here's some China, here's the Philippines. You just got these mm-hmm. random countries involved. Sounds great. Have another country that's not just fucking Australia all the time. Um, <laughs> now, uh, he asked Mitch, has she ever mentioned the word Falcon Caca or Falcon <laughs> Manifesto? 
Kaka. I wrote Kaka, but artistically after that one uh, <laughs> because manifesto. Uh, so, mm-hmm. and uh, he says, Mitch, you're quite emotionally involved for someone who just met her. And he goes, Well, yeah. Well, you're emotionally involved for someone who's investigating a heart attack. It's like not, not really. Uh, yeah, no. Like, I think we've got a little projection going on there, Mitch. Yeah. So then Mitch gets upset that this guy implied. That Mitch touched everything, and now his fingerprints are on things. He's like, what does that mean? It's like, it means that you're tampering with evidence. Like, It also a little bit felt like he was um, implying that Mitch maybe killed the woman. Oh, um, maybe. I don't know. And then Gardner asked Mitch, why are you withholding information from a government investigator? And I'm like, is he? Yeah, okay, so I was confused about that, too. I did space out during this scene because I found it boring. Um, but I wasn't clear what information he had withheld. He, none. Yeah, okay. I'm glad it's not just me. No, it's them. <laughs> They're bad okay, at good. writing this. Yes, yes, correct. Um, cool, well, oh, great. So then, so then Mitch uh, goes, aha, I figured it out. Mm-hmm. The NBI guy said she was cooperating with them, but she wasn't cooperating with no one, no how. She was running from something. And it's like, that's yeah. also a bit of a stretch because you can't ask the dead person. Right. So then Mitch goes full Alex Jones, which mm-hmm. have you been keeping up with the Alex Jones trial? God, yes. Not not fully, but right. enough to see the just you know, fucking yakety sacks bullshit his lawyers pulled. And you, I assume you saw the moment from the other day with hit with the other lawyer or with his lawyers sending the, all the texts. Yeah, that's that's the thing I saw. OK, yeah, you saw yeah, that. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Um, it's been it's being memed to death. It's honestly being memed about as much as the uh, up yours woke moralist. We'll see who cancels who kind of stuff. And it's like yeah. this one-two punch of oh god, all the all the bad people are getting memed to death and look like fools, and I love it. Um, I do. Well, we're talking about uh, Alex Jones. Yes. Want to just briefly uh, remind everyone of the last time he was in trial for I believe it was custody hearing, mm. and told told the judge that the reason he could not remember his children's names was because he had re- recently eaten too large of a bowl of chili. Um, <laughs> what? Yes. <laughs> what does and that, that is mean? Excellent question. Excellent question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I got to use that excuse more often. Like, Michael, why yes. did you remember to do this thing? Was I just ate a big bowl of chili? <laughs> yes. Oh no, sorry. It wasn't. It wasn't their names. Um, it was what grades his kids were in. That's even because more, what? Because to quote, he had just eaten a big bowl of chili. <laughs> <laughs> How is that not a fucking skit on? Um, I think you should leave. I know, right? Like. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we need you to come into work today. No, can't do it. Just ate a big bowl of chili. You did what? Mm-hmm. Chili. That's exactly mm-hmm. what would happen. But oh my god. Yeah, that's fucking wild. Um the other stuff from the Alex Jones trial is just all like everybody involved has been they're complete whack jobs, honestly. Yes. Um so 
Mitch here pulls an Alex Jones um, <laughs> and says, I remember all the moments from that from that day. I think it's the sunscreen she spilled. Maybe it's poison. And he goes, yeah, uh, the first two times she applied sunscreen, nothing unusual happened. But the third time it squirted. So therefore, what if somebody injected some sort of topical poison into the sunscreen and it absorbed through her skin and it mm-hmm. made it appear as she died of a heart attack. And it's like, yeah, what? And so he's like, yeah, it, it squirted on this on this mat. So here I have this spoot mat. That's what I call it, the spoot mat. Um, and uh, <laughs> and you should take this spoot mat in and investigate mm-hmm. it. And Gunner's like, yeah, sure. Why not? What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Uh-huh. Who writes? Yeah. Like, I know who writes this, but who wrote this? It's so stupid. And even Garner is like, that's pretty stupid. Yes. But sure, I'll run some tests on this blanket. Also, um, also this is like 94. I don't know what mm-hmm. crime scene investigation is like. Did they not run right. toxicology? I have no idea. Like, I even Garner at one point even says something like, that's some advanced spy stuff. And I was like, you're right. It is really dumb. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you can't do that and then also have it be true. Like, (laughs) you're just calling out how stupid your own writing is. Well, no, then you're saying that Mitch is a hero figure. Yeah, I guess. Which is what the show is always trying to do. Mm Mm-hmm. He's smarter than your average bear or (laughs) detective or Krav Maga fighter. (laughs) He's Mitch Buchanan. God, he sure is. Um. (laughs) It's funny. I don't remember what the next scene is, but my note just says Mitch dreams about legs. Yeah. So this is this is the scene where he's realizing that it must have been the sunscreen after all, because he's thinking back to all the times when she was laying on the beach and initially thinks it was the sun, the sandwich man. But then realizes it must have been the sunscreen. He does at one um, point go, maybe it's the, I think, maybe it was the homeless guy. And I'm like, man, why do you fucking hate the homeless? I know. It's really shitty. Um, But yeah, after after all of this nonsense and Garner takes the towel to go run, uh, you know, some poison tests on the sun. Poison. <laughs> um, we cut over to Kate's house and our detective... Uh, no, Mather right before is that, here searching Kate's house and eventually finds the box with all the evidence. Right before that, actually, we have an even dumber scene, which is that oh, Garner yeah. shows up and just says, "Oh, to right. Mitch, Mitch, you were right. It was poison." Yep. And I was like, <laughs> "What the <laughs> fuck?" He says, yeah. "We didn't know what to look for it. It shows up as a heart attack, but you were right. It was indeed mm-hmm. poison that makes it look like a heart attack." And Mitch, Mitch is just like. Yeah, I'm so fucking smart. Why am I single? Mm-hmm. He doesn't say that, but that's what he's thinking. Oh, it's definitely the subtext of nearly everything he does. Yes. Um, but eventually uh, Mathers does find the evidence and he's starting to burn the papers in the fire when Mitch shows up and they just start fighting. And I. OK. Yeah. Um, 
it takes a while, but eventually Mitch wins. And then we cut over to the houseboat, which Matt has named Summer Breeze. Whoa, 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 mm-hmm. whoa, whoa. We did skip a tiny bit of important stuff, which is that Garner tells us a lot of the plot, which was that she was an investigative reporter, undercover secret top uh, secret, undercovered secret top secret top details from a man yes. named Edward Falcon Kaka, and would ha- wouldn't <laughs> turn it over to the government until she had completed her manifesto, which Mitch, sa- Mitch says because she doesn't trust the government. Which um, fair, but like, why is this the first time that Mitch has been like anti-government? Yeah. That part's weird. Back to Summer Breeze, please. Yes. Uh, Matt has taken Summer to the boat, and he has named it Summer Breeze. And we learn he was able to afford it because he has enrolled in college. So now his dad co-signed the loan for this boat, which I'm guessing is just going to be them explaining away how he has money going forward. Yeah. Um, And then Summer smashes a bottle of champagne on the boat and gives him a vigorous hug with the broken champagne bottle yeah. still in her hand. And I genuinely felt like he was going to get stabbed. Yeah, I did too. very tense. And honestly, <laughs> I would have been like, that should be a two-parter right there. Like, she stabs yeah. him, runs away, and then she goes, Edward Falcon, bitches! Kaka! <laughs> God, I wish. That would have been so good. We were, we're so much better writers of this show than they were. <laughs> For sure. God. <laughs> we we are, we just described can't miss TV. Mm-hmm. She stabs her boyfriend after he buys her a houseboat, teams up yeah. with a government with a international government arms dealer, and then goes on the run, and then Matt and Mitch have to find her and take her down. That's good TV. That's also it basically is. an Austin Powers movie. Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Um, but then we have our last scene, which is Mitch sitting dejectedly on the beach when Garner comes up and is like, yeah, Mathers is the one who killed Kate. He was paid off by Falcon. Ah, Don't don't worry about it. Her life was not, you know, her her death was a good thing, actually, because her work saved a lot of lives. And and so now it's fine. And that's the end of the. No, no, it's no, it's it's way worse than that. He goes, oh. It's 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 important. So like her soul can rest easy knowing that she saved lives. And Mitch right. has the last line of the entire episode and says, "I can't though." And then Garner yeah. goes, mm, puts on his his helmet, drives away, and we just zoom out on Mitch with his he- he- with his head in his hands, crying, sitting on the beach. Mm-hmm. It's. Yeah. Depressing as all hell. Yeah. No, it's it's really dumb. But, you know, on that note, what did IMDb think? Wow. So we got three reviews. Bombers flies up, gives it a two out of ten. Again, tattles it. Baywatch. Uh, The here (laughs) and gone has interesting elements, but not executed well, of course, and forgettable. Okay, both sand crabs leave reviews. Um, Sandcrab277 gives it a 1 out of 10 and titles it, Blah! <laughs> and says, <laughs> David Charvet and Nicole Eggert are like ice cubes together. Almost makes you want to recall Eric Aleniak and her view. This show is really bad and needs some good writers. I mean, that's that's 
that's fair. I, I would agree with that. Now, Sandcrab722, what do you think he gives this, Morgan? Um, I feel like this is the weird shit that he likes. Yes. So I'm going to say maybe like a 7? 10 out of 10. Wow. All right. Tiles at nautical sleepover slash Cajun cooking. Says, Braverman Butter... Bleh. Braverman Brothers team up for some intense detective action. Everybody's out of their minds in love. Only Garner makes sense and no one listened to him. They fight. They cry. They say lewd horizontal stuff. There are candles. No birds of prey. Well. Um, truly magical. Um, but you know what else is magical? It's us. Morgan... On a scale of 1 to 10, where 1 is going to puberty a second time because it got recast, and 10 is your parents are divorced, but it's okay because your dad's David Hasselhoff and he's the coolest, what would you give this? Yeah, I mean, so it wasn't, like, a great episode, um, but it certainly wasn't the worst we've ever had, and, um, you know, the the actress playing Kate was genuinely quite good and turning in a good performance, which is... Not something I can say for, hell, most of the main cast, much less guest actors they have on. Um, But, you know, it was kind of flimsy. The story was a little stupid. I didn't like Mitch's writing in this episode. So I think I'm going to give this one a four. Um, And I'm going to say that a four is the experience of trying to put on sunscreen. um, But as you're trying to squirt it out... uh, there was a hole in the bottle and it causes the entire bottle of sunscreen to just kind of squirt all over the sand and your blanket. And like, at least, you know, you can probably salvage enough to shield yourself from the sun for the next hour or two until you can buy more sunscreen. But it kind of sucks. Like, it's not really how you wanted to start your day at the beach. Uh, how about you, Michael? Well, that was that was specific. Um, <laughs> is, is that, has that happened to you? No, it it honestly has not. Um, wow, just maybe I should. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I should. I should try it out sometime. See if it really is a four out of ten experience. Uh, maybe not. Cause a four out of ten sounds like kind of a waste of time. Fair, fair. Um, I'm gonna also give it a four. Um, I think that it was just long and pandering at times. Again, that uh, the like a big scene. In quotes was like the save at the beginning, which happened nine and a half minutes into this episode. So nothing yeah. was happening. Um, the woman who played Catherine, Jacqueline, Colin or whatever, she was good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Sad that they killed her like three fourths of the way into this episode. Uh huh. It's just boring otherwise. And yeah. uh, truly is truly does feel like a season four episode of this TV show. It's just kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I'm gonna say a four is the experience of um, uh, I started a new job recently, and I was uh, talking to uh, my work mentor, and uh, she, or I, I said we should uh, after every meeting we should give an interesting fact about ourselves, and so like my my first meeting with her that I did that I told her I have this Baywatch podcast, um, and the last meeting we had. Her interesting fact was that uh, she's orphaned uh, and her parents died <laughs> 22 years ago. Uh, and Holy shit. No, don't worry. This gets better. Uh, <laughs> it's an unfortunate thing for me to say. Um, 
And she says they they both died of cancer when she was young. And I, not knowing how to take in this information, uh, given that my interesting fact before was something else, said, Uh oh, nice. (laughs) She (laughs) my parents died of cancer. Oh, nice. Oh, Michael. Oh, my God. (laughs) And she starts laughing. And it's like, it's great that she's like, gets that, like, I was clearly taken aback. And the first words were, oh, nice. (laughs) Then I spent the next, like, 10 minutes apologizing. Like, I just fucking told you that your parents dying was cool. (laughs) And she's like, what? I will say. What? What? in, In fairness. Yeah. It's a pretty wild fun fact. Like, (laughs) especially when the previous fun fact was, I do a dumb podcast about Baywatch. Yeah. For your fun fact to be, my parents both died of cancer 20 years ago. (laughs) Like, it's a bit of a tonal shift. (laughs) Yeah, I was kind of expecting it to be like, and like, she's since given me some like weird facts, but like, it's very weird to be like, Baywatch, and then my expectation is, yeah, you're going to keep it up, same level as me, parents are dead. What? (laughs) (laughs) And so now she's just like, all the time, she's just like, "Um, that was really really good, Michael, that was really nice. You know what else is nice? Cancer. And I'm like, you can't keep doing this to me. (laughs) I will never live this down. Um, So I decided to get back at her. Um, Yeah. Um. Which she accidentally ended the meeting by saying, see you next Tuesday. Um, and I was like, you just ended a meeting by saying, see you next Tuesday. And she's like, ah, fuck. So now I, I will never <laughs> let her forget about that. Um, Perfect. But that's a four because I it's funny. But I also told someone, oh, nice. Your parents died of cancer. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's talk yeah. about the next episode, which is called yes, Rescue Bay. The description. Oh, I have to pull out the Baywatch wiki description. Uh, Rescue Bay. Oh, my God. Uh, is it not here? No, there it is. OK, so the Baywatch wiki description is. Why does it say? Okay, sorry. This this don't mind me. Cut that part all out. Anyway, sure. A Hollywood producer visits Baywatch and decides to create a television show based on lifeguarding, sending headquarters into a tizzy. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Now the IMDb description is in awe for a live rescue when a yacht sinks. Petty Hollywood producer Don Brand decides to propose the studios a series based on Mitch, Matt, and their partners, so he'll make a pilot. Mitch refuses a camera test for the lead. Matt and Summer are passed over in favor of contracted actors, but Stephanie tries for her own part, only to be discarded in favor of CJ after an unwitting live rescue on the set. Meanwhile, Garner gets jealous of his physical double, Sly Hutchinson, who even moves on his girlfriend. It it it's an episode. It's a guest episode, though. Yeah. So yeah. so so it look, is because we already recorded it, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how we do it. We record in reverse order, not not actually. Mm-hmm. 
I'm um, looking, but yeah, I just discovered oh. by the way that IMDb has tags for uh, mm-hmm. for for plot keywords. The plot keywords for the next episode are uh, explosion, handcuffs, false identity, uh, jealousy, theft, and kiss. <laughs> It seems like a weird set of, um, yeah, plot keywords. Well, I just, I just want to know who is searching IMDb by plot keyword for jealousy or kiss or handcuffs. Well, you want to know what the plot keywords for this episode were? Sure, <laughs> they're amazing. Contraband, false identity, <laughs> poison. Wow. And this is my favorite one. The last one. Bed. <laughs> Just the word bed. What? Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah, you know. Yeah. The thing I think... Uh, now, actually, uh, hold on. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to click mm-hmm. on bed, and I'm going to see... Okay, so mm. our top movies we get when we search bed... Oh, God. Okay, this is the gift that keeps on giving. First, let me tell you the related keywords, okay? For bed. Sure, sure. Top, bare-chested male. <laughs> Kiss. Father-son okay. relationship. Hmm. Party, underwear, medical examination, sexing, undressing, drinking. Okay, so okay. here's what we get. The top, the top results for bed. Last night in Soho, ER, The Wolf of Wall Street, Interstellar, Don't Look Up, American Psycho, Seven, Interview with the Vampire, Boogie Nights and American Beauty. Huh. Hereditary for some reason? Uh, uh, okay, so yeah. Now I guess that's going to be a new segment. I'm going to look at the plot keywords and yeah. how dumb these are. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so that's our that's our next episode. Uh, Morgan, do you got anything else to say? Uh, the only thing I have to say is it's not quite out yet. But uh, watch this space soon because me, my partner, and a mutual friend of ours have started a new podcast uh, that we are calling Good Dog, Bad Movie, in which we are going to be watching and talking about uh, a lot of dog movies. We have decided to start with the entire Air Bud series, including the Air Buddies movies. Um, And so, yeah, it's... uh, not quite out yet. I don't know exactly when that's going to happen. Probably sometime, hopefully in the next few weeks. Ooh. But uh, watch uh, watch our plug segment for for when it finally drops. Are you going to watch um, like some of like the Netflix holiday dog movies? Absolutely. Like there's this one where there's a dog who has the power to turn invisible. I don't know if we have that. Oh, OK. Wait, no, wait. Give me one second here. Sure. Um, sure. Dog, because I saw a video about this that I watched. Uh, oh, here it is. You should watch this later. Um, which is Peacock. Oh, no, it's actually Peacock's insane uh, Christmas movies, uh, including the dog movie. Uh, so yeah, you should. We should watch that video. I think it's Alone right. for Christmas is what it's called. Um, the dog movies are wild. Yes. Uh, we're doing, yeah, all of that. We're doing, uh, uh, I noticed you're not doing cat movies because then you have to watch cool cat. 
we may at some point pivot to that. Ooh. Um, we are doing the cats versus dogs movies. I don't know anything about that. Uh, what if Austin Powers, but geared towards small children and made on a very shoestring budget with horrifying talking cats and dogs? So wait, do, are, are they still horny? I don't remember. I saw them in the theaters when I was a kid. What? Wait, um, they're that old? Oh, yeah. Um, the first one came out in 2001. Cats versus dogs. Wait, movie. Oh, no. Sorry, it's cats and dogs. Um, with Jeff Goldblum it's and Tobey Maguire. Michael C. Clark, Alec Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Susan Sarandon. Why is Susan Sarandon in the... John Lovitz. What? Charlton Heston. Well, John Lovitz would be a dog. Is he? Does he play a dog or does he play a cat? He plays a cat. Uh, Damn. He does seem to play a cat. He should be um, a dog. The second, the second one is Cats and Dogs, The Revenge of Kitty Galore. I've heard of um, that one. I know. I've- which is a title that children will get and, and find amusing. Um, and then the third one just came out in 2020. And I don't know when in 2020 it came out, but I am blaming it for COVID. I mean, you should. That is correct. Who plays Kitty Galore in this? Um, Let's see. Uh, Bette Midler. Bette Midler. <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck? Okay, and then... Po- this, this cast also includes James Marston, Nick Nolte, Christina Applegate, Neil Patrick Harris, did Sean Hayes. So... If you look at Cats and Dogs 3, Paws Unite, the cast mm-hmm. is sad. The voice cast yes. is less sad, but it's still sad. It's only basically George Lopez, Max Greenfield, and Melissa Rauch. That's like the only mm-hmm. notable names on here. Yes. It's very much clearly, wow, the Cats and Dogs franchise has gone to the dogs. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they managed to get for the revenge of Kitty Galore, Roger Moore himself uh, playing a character called Tab Lazenby. Oh, 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 isn't that it's because it's George Lazenby? Yes, exactly. That's smart of them. Instead, you should have just named him James Cat Bond. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Dog Bond, Cat Bond, something like that. Bad dog. Okay, wait. What about there's this movie called Bad Dog? Oh no, this is a short. I'm trying to figure out how many things you 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 can watch for. I mean, there's clearly like a billion things you could watch. Dog from 2022 with Channing Tatum. You could watch War Dog, uh, which I don't think is about dogs, right? No, I'm not sure. No, uh, this is um, no. It's we currently have we currently have 67 films. Yeah, this is War Dogs. It's definitely yeah. not. But you should. You could add it later. You have 67 films, though. That is, eh, that's not that many films. What you watch that like what eh, like 17 in a day, <laughs> right? So that you'll you'll get that done quickly. I am very close to 500 for the year. Yeah, so that's nothing, you know. Yeah. Like, you'll finish that podcast in a month. <laughs> yeah, you know, we'll we'll see. I'm sure we've also talked about, once we finish dog movies, pivoting to just 
children's film franchises that had inexplicably long runs. Like, there's something like 12 or 13 Tinkerbell movies um, that all went direct to video. What? Um, I didn't even know there were more than one. mm Mm-hmm. Oh, the world of direct-to-video Disney sequels is bleak. Um, I believe that. There's also, like, 25 Barbie movies, and apparently most of them are pretty good. Um, They're good? Okay, that's shocking. Yeah. Like, good according to who? Uh, I I mean, just kind of... When I... I, uh, My partner and I were flipping through the Wikipedia pages for the various Barbie movies. The critical reception thing was always like, you know... We're not talking 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, but we're talking 65, 70. Well, it's like, like Armand White giving it like an 85. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, probably. Uh, probably, yeah. But yeah, watch uh, watch this space for an announcement of uh, Good Dog, Bad Movie's official launch. Hell Should yeah. Should hopefully be soon. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think I have anything else. Uh, Michael, you got anything else you want to talk about before we wrap this up? Listen to Morgan's podcast. Sounds good. And also, I want to thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Baywatch Rookie School. If you want to find us on Twitter, our show handle is at Rookie School Pod. I am at Morgan P. Thrap. I am at Snotsnit, S-N-O-T-S-N-I-T. We'll see you next week. And just remember, hips, lips fingertips, and murder. But also sunscreen, like poison sunscreen. And also just like in general, it's summer. Wear sunscreen if you're going outside. Sunburn's bad. Don't don't add yet another way for someone to say, oh, nice, when they hear you died of cancer. And, <laughs> and just remember, as Mitch says, always make sure to stay in sight of an able-bodied professional. Um, Mm -hmm. unless you die of poison.